Welcome to episode 48 of From the Shed End Podcast. As always, myself, T-Dot. I'm joined by Theo. So first and foremost, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Um, Monday. Everybody hates Mondays. We were just talking about this off um, off, uh, off air. But, but yeah, um, it was another decent win. Arsenal got knocked out, so can't complain. That was the silver lining of the weekend, mm-hmm. I think, you know, to see. I mean, obviously, Arsenal were giving Tottenham a bit of banter online before their game and then to get knocked out. Who... Let's be honest, Nottingham Forest played really well. So it credit did. to Forest, credit to we, them as well. We, we've never really had any issues against them in the FA Cup third round. I think we played them twice, two years in a row, and we beat them two years in a row. So I, I did know. notice a tweet. I, I can't remember if it was you who sent it, the tweet out. I think it was me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah work for some, but some others make it quite difficult. <laughs> well, this is the nature of the beast, you know. you, you got to get your game out of the way before you start dishing out banter. But um, yeah, you know, it was for us, you know, obviously it was a good game. Um, five past Chesterfield, although they did score and I thought they, you know, they deserved that goal. Um, there was no real surprises in the game in terms of lineup or the quality that we had. You know, I did say 2-0, which I thought Chesterfield, based on their form, would give us. And they did play some really good football. I was impressed with them. But what was your thoughts going into that game? Obviously, I think we were 2-0 up very early on in the game um, from Timo Werner and Callum Hudson-Odoi. But just in terms of the game itself, how impressed was you with Lewis Hall of, of, of some players as well? I thought to start off, the lineup was very, very surprising in how strong Tuchel, um, you know, how, how strong of an 11 it was that we had Tuchel fielded. I know that Tuchel, you know, before kickoff, he said he wanted to respect the tie, respect the competition, respect the opponents. But for me, the lineup he, he fielded was almost too strong. You got a front three of Pulisic, Lukaku and Werner. You know, that's a front three you'd expect to start in the League Cup against Spurs. And he benched the likes of Barkley and Loftus-Cheek, who, in my opinion, were two players that, you know, were likely to start. Um, and it took me, you know, almost the whole first half to work out what the formation was. And then I, I think after chatting to you on WhatsApp, I realised that it was hudson Adoy and Ziyech as the two wing-backs and Lewis Hall in that back three. But um, no, it was a very comfortable performance. You know, when you're 4-0 up at halftime, you can just sit, sit back and enjoy the second half. But like you mentioned, Lewis Hall for me was the standout performer making his Stanford Bridge debut, 17 years old. You know, that's the, I think the youngest ever player to make his debut in the competition for Chelsea. Um, and he looked so composed on the ball. Very, you know, everything he did, he did it with a lot of confidence. And, you know, he was playing in a back three, but a few times, you know, he drove up the pitch and contributed to the, the goals, particularly the Christensen um, goal, which, uh, you know, came from a Lewis, um, Lewis Hall shot that the keeper parried away. And then mm-hmm. Christensen tapped it in with his head. But no, it was a very, very um, reassuring performance from him. And, you know, if we do need a left wing back, if we, we'll touch on it, upon it later on in the episode with Emerson's contract situation and his loan with Lyon. But um, if we do need a left wing back or a left back, Lewis Hall could maybe be that option. And his game against Chesterfield indicated that he's more than capable of, you know, stepping up. I know Chesterfield are, you know, non-league opposition, so it's maybe not the best, you know, reflection of, um, you know, ten- the best quality of team that he could be playing against. But... Mm-hmm. For me, that's definitely, you know, going to give him a boost in confidence, you know, that now that he's made his first team performance. And, um, you know, if you're watching Chelsea for the first time, you would have never thought that he's a 17-year-old kid playing for the first time. So, um, so no, really good performance. Um, you know, one kind of point of criticism is maybe we weren't clinical enough. We could have scored a couple more, you know, some tame efforts from Lukaku. I don't think Pulisic fully got into the game. 
But then, you know, it's, it's Chesterfield in the FA Cup and to see them score, if anything, was quite a nice moment, magic of the cup. So you can only applaud that. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, all the, all the points you make are, are valid, definitely 100%. I thought Lewis Hall, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because I think with, with under 23 players as well, as much as they're playing development football, a lot of it is, especially in this day and age, is a lot more competitive. It's not, I think sometimes when we, we think of youth players, we think of youth 10 years ago, but under 23s is very, uh, you know, challenging. It's, you have to be of a certain quality to be able to play at that level, even under 23. So for him to come in, we've seen it with Trevor um, Chalabra as well. He just walked into the team. It was almost um, like, he, like he'd been playing for 10 years in the first team. And Lewis Hall, you can see he's one of those players that will, if not at Chelsea, would definitely be at you know, a top level club at some point because he's got all the qualities to do that. But he, you know, he, he just didn't put a foot wrong. He definitely, I think from watching him under 23s as well, he loves to get forward and he, he didn't shy away from that um, against Chesterfield as well. But I, I do agree. I think with the likes of Lukaku, Pulisic, is it just a case that it was, it was Chesterfield, there's no disrespect to them, but it's just Chesterfield and, you know, Lukaku gets his goal and he doesn't really do much after that. It was an easy goal to get as well. He didn't really have to do much to, to score that. You know, it was probably harder to miss, but I agree. You know, I think we had 11 shots on target, 24 shots in total. And to walk away with five goals is, is great, of course, but you kind of expected a bit more from us. Um, give you, give me your thoughts on Sal, Sal, I guess, because I thought he, again, he did have a relatively okay game. I thought, again, he played, well, I think he picked up a, a quite early yellow card, but, he played relatively well, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, he's, um, I can just echo what I said in the previous episode about Sanagas and how he's building his confidence up. He's getting more game time now, which is needed. I think he's likely to, to start against Tottenham on Wednesday, which would be you know three full games in a row for him, which is fantastic for him and you know proving the manager what he can do on the pitch, which he's now he's showcasing to everybody and proving a lot of people wrong. And I think what's good now with Saul is before when you start in those games, you'd be a bit like, uh, you'd be a bit nervous to see him start. But now you kind of have confidence that, you know, he'll put, he'll do the job. And um, I think having Kovacic and Kante play alongside him from time to time is brilliant. Because last time, you know, that period we were, you know, scared to see now Sound again in a Chelsea shirt. He, he's playing against, alongside a Loftus Cheek or a player like that, which no disrespect, they're not the, you know, the Kantes, the, the Kovacic's, you know, that have that experience and composure in midfield. So um, now it's great to see him get another 90 minutes and I'm looking forward to his performance again against Spurs midweek. Yeah, definitely. And one player that I was impressed with, uh, Marcus Bentonelli, who um, we've obviously Mendy being away, but not just being away with African Cup of Nations, also picking up COVID while he's over there as well. It's perfect time for obviously Kepa to step up which I'm sure he he will. He's done that already. He's proven that. And I was impressed with Benton. And I thought he had a, a, albeit a very almost quiet game, but he did when he, had, he was called upon, he, you know, he did, he did what he needed to do. So I was impressed with him as well. Um, he didn't, he didn't look out of place. You know, he looked like he could fit into the team. He looked confident getting the ball. You know, there's a lot of communication between him and the, the, the center backs as well. So I was impressed with, with him. You know, I thought he had a, a reasonably okay game for what he had to do in that game as well. Definitely, he's a reliable third choice. Um, I, uh, I'd been to a few of the Fulham's championship games when they were back down there and um, Bettinelli was their first choice keeper, I think, you know, around 2015, 2016. And, you know, he's, he's a good keeper. He's confident, he's tall, he's um, he's experienced now in the English uh, divisions. 
And, um, you know, he's almost unlucky to concede because it was quite a good save initially. It just managed to slip through him. And then it was just a tap in for the other player. Uh, I think it was Asante. But, um, yeah. but no, um, you know, having a player like him as your third choice gives you a lot of uh, confidence that, you know, should we have a COVID situation amongst the keepers or have a keeper like Mendy who goes on international break, then, you know, it's, we've got the cover. So it's brilliant. And just just to finally before we we move on, but I, I wanted to ask you a question about Lewis Baker, who um, is it, such a strange one for me because he's he's twenty six, he hasn't really broken into the first team. He's not really a regular. He's not someone that you would speak about in terms of Ruben Loftus Cheek or um, you know a Mason Mount, who's a regular now, obviously in the team. But Lewis Baker just seems to be one of those players that's enjoyed his loan careers and he's had. Uh, I think he had a quite a lengthy injury at some point as well, but he just doesn't, you know, this is his peak for me is at the moment, you know, 26, 27. He just doesn't seem like he's got a place at Chelsea, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be a regular. What What do you think? I mean, I think he's only at the club because he failed to get a loan move or a permanent move elsewhere in the summer. Um, it's a shame because I remember Mourinho saying... Um, Baker, Izzy Brown and Dominic Solanke, if none of those Chelsea players break into the first team in the next couple of years, blame blame him and Mourinho. And clearly all three of them, you know, ones at Bournemouth, I don't even know where Izzy Brown is and Baker's struggling to even get minutes in a league, uh, FA Cup game against Chesterfield at 26 years old with Chelsea. So I think it's a, bit sh- it's a shame. Um, I would have liked to see more of him against Chesterfield. I'd have liked to see him start, if anything. It would have been a nice moment for him because it's probably the only game he's ever going to get with Chelsea. Now, maybe we'll see him against Plymouth in the, the next round. But other than that, I don't think we'll see him again. And um, one of those players that's been along, around for a very, very long time now, he's been on loan, you know, in Germany, Championship, uh, Turkey even, I think. Did he not go to Vitesse as well? I think. He might have gone to Vitesse, yeah, Netherlands as well. So he's got that experience of playing abroad. And he does look like uh, quite a mature player. You know, you're 26 years old, you tra- you've played at all those clubs, you're a mature player, you're experienced but clearly he hasn't had the right opportunity, the right breakthrough moments. Um, so I kind of want to, you know, point the finger because I do think he's a, quite a good player, but I think it's just the opportunity, you know, he hasn't had the right opportunity, the right moment. You look at players like Mounts, they had, they, were, they had Lampard, they had a transfer ban. Baker never really got that moment. He just had a substitute appearance the 90th minute away to Derby in the FA Cup. And then again, another substitute appearance away um, at home to Chesterfield. You know, those are the moments that you want as a, as a Chelsea player, but no, it's a shame for him. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he's still got plenty of years ahead of him, whether that's at Chelsea or, you know, he goes somewhere else to find that, that level of football that he needs, but it is a shame. You know, I think I, I recall what you said around what Jose said around the three, Izzy Brown. And I mean, Dominic Slanky to give him his credit, he's doing okay at Bournemouth, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. He's, you know, he should be, yeah, I should have had an opportunity at Chelsea to do that as well. But moving on, you've just mentioned Plymouth, who we've now got in the fourth round of the FA Cup which is another relatively easy tie. I think a lot of the big clubs got nice draws, if that's such a thing to say in, in the draw. But um, give us your thoughts. Obviously, Plymouth, I think we've only played them once, 1989. Kenny Dixon was the scorer that day. I'm, I'm expecting a lot more goals than 1-0. What's your thoughts getting Plymouth in the next round? Yeah, I mean, when you, once you play Chesterfield, you obviously expect a harder opposition. I was maybe hoping for a Fulham or a QPR, you know, a nice <laughs> London away day would have been nice. But um, yeah. but no, we'll take Plymouth, we'll take it. It's, I think they're League One. I think they're six in that division. They beat Birmingham in the previous round of the FA Cup, 1-0. Um, and I think timing-wise, it's good to play an opposition at that level because we go to the Club World Cup straight after. 
we might want to rest a few players, avoid injuries. So it's a good little game for us to squeeze in between them on that weekend. And um, one that you'd expect us to win quite comfortably. I think, you know, similar scoreline to the Chesterfield one. I mean, no disrespect to Plymouth, but I think they're just happy to be at, you know, at this stage of the FA Cup, this round of the FA Cup. But um, again, a game that Tuchel can look at and hope to rotate in, you know, play the likes of maybe a Lewis Baker again, a Harvey Veo who didn't feature as much as I would have liked um, against um, Chesterfield. Uh, if Barkley's still at the club, then give him minutes. I think Lost the Cheek needs to start this one. Unlike um, he didn't, he only played forty-five minutes on um, mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, so yeah, um, a game that I think we should be winning quite comfortably, and a game that Tuchel will look at and think this is time to rotate now and uh, hopefully just get the, the qualification as well. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because obviously we'll have. I think we fly out to the Club World Cup pretty much after that that True. game. Um, so one one thing I've noticed with Thomas Tuchel, he doesn't like to put out a weakened team as such he likes to put out like you mentioned earlier on you know you were surprised at the lineup against Chesterfield and I would imagine very much he'll he'll take that same sort of direction for for Plymouth I think he'll he'll field a, a Lukaku as much as you don't want you know Lukaku playing before Club World Cup but I could see him going down that route I, I agree with you I think someone like Lewis Baker maybe should start that game or um, you know a Loftus-Cheek if, if it's should start that game as well. Maybe even again, Timo Werner, Harvey Vale. I thought, I was surprised because I thought he would have got, if not a start against Chesterfield, he would have come on a bit earlier than he did. Um, I was surprised. I think it's half time. It was, um, I think it was Loftus-Cheek and Habits. Habits, Habits and Loftus-Cheek, which yeah. was a strange substitution because, you know, you're winning 4-0 and you bring on, you know, two first team players mm. who could feature against Spurs midweek. So the subs didn't really make sense with the timing of them, but we got, we got the qualifications. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, I I think it's at this stage of the FA Cup, it's always good to play as many lower league teams as possible. Um, We're going to see some giant killers, which we did see, Uh, I suppose we can call Arsenal a bit of a giant (laughs) killer. Um, You know, I think Shrewsbury done quite well against, to start off with against Liverpool. They ended up getting, I think got 4-1, I think it was in the end. Um, not, not, yeah, non-league. I think Kidminster beat uh, Reading, was it? Yeah, and yeah. I think AFC Wimbledon lost to um, Boreham Wood, so yeah. a small team like that. And then Cambridge beat Newcastle at um, St. James's Park. There you go. So I mean, Trippier's debut. Yeah, he should, he should have signed for Chelsea. He would have been in the fourth <laughs> round. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that about Kidderminster. I think, yeah, just looking, they've got West Ham, which is at home as well. You know, it's a brilliant tie for Kidderminster. It's a, it's a brilliant one for them. Bournemouth are playing Boreham Wood. Um, Palace are playing Hartlepool as well. So they've, I mean, there's some interesting ties. I know there's no real big ones that you can look at um, unless Villa beat United and, you know, Villa, Borough, Middlesbrough would be a brilliant tie for me. I think that'd be a good game. But Liverpool, Cardiff's another one. You know, we, we saw Liverpool rest a lot of their players um, against Shrewsbury. So, you know, I, I think Thomas Tuchel is the total opposite of Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp doesn't really respect the FA Cup as much as Thomas Tuchel does. Um, so I'm looking forward to the game. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we can we can progress. And it is silverware at the end of the day, you know, even looking at the League Cup, which we're going to move on to shortly. You know, this is probably our more realistic opportunity to get some silverware ahead along with the Club World Cup, more so than maybe the Premier League or the Champions League this season. Yeah. I was at the FA Cup final in, in May when we lost to Leicester and I was devastated. I was <laughs> devastated. You know, I know the one kind of bit of hope that I had after was that we were playing a Champions League final two weeks later. But, you know, it's silverware, like you said, and when you get so far two seasons in a row now, two finals we've made and we've lost both. 
Mm. You want to win it this season, you know, and I do think Tuchel's a manager who takes every competition seriously and when, especially when silverware is involved. So I think we, we've got every reason to go try and go all the way and this time hopefully not fall at the last hurdle. Yep, definitely, definitely. And let, let's move on um, to some sort of transfer news around Emerson, who is becoming sort of a, a cycle every week and reading the same sort of issues around his his, uh, his loan deal at the moment. Leon are currently reluctant to let him go, which is understandable. They let him go. They've got to find a replacement within the next three or four weeks or so. It, we're talking about paying compensation for a player that is registered technically still as a Chelsea player. It doesn't make any sense to me, if I'm honest, because I think he's our player. Unless there's a clause in there, which I'm, this must be the issue, that there's a clause in there that's stopping us just from being able to cancel or terminate that, that loan. But surely now this is the, the more viable option. Uh, Luca Dean looks like he's on his way to Villa. I think fees or personal terms have been agreed already. So this seems like the more realistic option for us now at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we need an option that will be able to play football regularly for the next five, six months and hope maybe even beyond this, beyond the summer because we don't know when Chilwell will make a full recovery. Mm. You know, it could be, you know, October of this year or even September. So we might need a player for that, the opening two months of the of next season as well. I think, you know, Emerson, it takes all the, he ticks all the boxes. He knows the Premier League. He knows the team. He knows the manager. Um, he knows the the language probably now, the country, everything. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a strange one because you think we'd be in a position of power just to click our fingers and terminate that contract. And you have to be a bit selfish, you know, forget about Lyon's situation that they need to find a left back. You know, we need a left back more than them. We have to be self- selfish. So um, I don't know if it's like a, a sub clause in the contract that doesn't allow us to terminate, terminate it like that. And even if we do have to pay a compensation, you wouldn't expect it to be, you know, a, a lot of money if it's, um, so I don't know, I'd, I'd hope that gets resolved in the next, I want to say week, because you don't want to be, you know, deadline day and you still have a player who belongs to us who's out on loan who we're trying to recall. We haven't got a backup option. Dean signed for Aston Villa. Dest has said he's happy at Barcelona. That's not a situation you want to be in. So um, hopefully we can recall Emerson and, you know, the next five, five days or two weeks. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think, I think, Potentially what has happened is that there isn't that clause in there that says we can recall. Maybe there wasn't that clause in there. So I agree with you. I think, you know, if it's a compensation issue, that's going to cost us a lot uh, less than going out and finding a player to go and buy. In the summer, we, we end up learning that player out because we, we want to go and get someone who's of better quality. So it, it makes sense to me. You know, I think it's the, the the more realistic option. It's just how we go about it. And you're right. You know, I think we have to be selfish. We have to put ourselves first. We've got, you know, competitions that like we've just mentioned, FA Cup, League Cup that we want to be in. We, we still want to be in them. Champions League as well. And yes, the, the Premier League looks like it's over, but, you know, we beat City on Saturday. You never know. So it could all be, it's all to play for still, you know, and I think yeah. we, um, yeah, we have to be selfish in that situation. Yeah. And I agree with you. If we, if we, we do end up with a situation deadline day with scouring around, we, you know, we're not going to get our choice that we actually want, which is worrying as well. Yeah. I just do worry that Emerson maybe feels underappreciated at Chelsea. You know, he was told in the summer that he was third choice, that he needs to go out and learn to play regular football. I think under Tuchel, since Tuchel arrived um, in January of last year, I think he only made four appearances under Tuchel and two of those were substitute appearances. Uh, I think one of the times he played, he was playing as a left centre back or something similar to that. So maybe he needs a bit more clarity on what his position is going to be in a team. Should he 
come back to Chelsea if it's going to be competing with Alonso for that first choice or is it going to be just playing second fiddle to Alonso in the FA Cup games, you know, the smaller midweek Premier League games. Mm. But we, we do need that, to be fair. We do need that. We we saw against Chesterfield, we were forced to play Hudson-Odoi at left wing back. So, mm. you know, we kind of do need that option. Um, but no, I just hope he doesn't really feel under undervalued or underappreciated by the manager and the whole situation. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Let's move to Wednesday. Big game Wednesday. I say big game. We should we should be beating Spurs. It's 2-0 first leg. So we're taking a nice 2-0 cushion into that game against Spurs. Um, second leg of the Carabao Cup. There's going to be, um, I'd imagine, some change that we haven't really mentioned in terms of Thiago Silva, who's tested negative after his COVID. I'd imagine hopefully Kante will be in that same bracket as well. But um, what would you do in terms of the, the team selection? You, you mentioned obviously um, Harvey Vale or a, you know a, a Lewis Baker that might be able to come into the team. But would you make massive wholesale wholesale changes in terms of the squad that we played last Wednesday um, against Spurs? No, I wouldn't make too many changes. And like you mentioned about earlier in the episode, Tuchel's not the type of manager that makes a lot of you know changes to his squad. Um, for these type of games, he still fields a very respectable, you know, starting eleven, strong starting eleven. I think it'll be quite a similar eleven that played against um, Spurs last week. I mean, Havertz will start. Uh, I think um, Saunders will start again. Malongsa, who we haven't spoken about, who's been very, very solid in the last couple of games. A uh, Kepa will, you know, stay stay in goal. Uh, Lonzo will play. I think it'll be quite a strong eleven. I think you know the likes of Lewis Baker, maybe Harvey Vale be on the bench and we'll, you know, need them should they, should, should, should they, um, should they come on as a substitute? But I think lost his cheeks, another one who didn't play a, didn't play a part in last Wednesday's game, but may feature this time. But then again, it's whether you start Saul and, um, lost his cheek. No. It's so, risky. Uh, yeah. So I think it'll be Saul and maybe a cover chair or Saul and a Jorginho. And then maybe lost the cheek will come on in the second half. But, um, in terms of Spurs, they, they don't have Son. He's out for a month, um, even though he, he he ghosted last week's game, let's be honest. But um, he's still a, we know what he's capable of doing on his day and he's still a very good player. So have, not having him feature in this League Cup game and also the Premier League game against Spurs later this month is a huge plus for us. Um, but like you said, we should have enough to beat them or at least um, qualify, I think. Um, I, don't, I think Spurs will have a goal, you know, in, the, they're in front of their, their home fans in their stadium. Mm-hmm. I think Conte will have a better game plan this time for the second leg. But, you know, if we score early on in the first half, it will just kill the tie off. So that's what's needed. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we need. We need an early goal. Um, like you mentioned, Son is injured. I think uh, Romero will, will be out of that game as well. I think there's issues around Bergwijn as well. He might not start. So they've got some key players out of the team. Um, it's probably the best time to play Spurs as well. My only not worry, but my only sort of concern is we've got a mid-afternoon early kickoff against City on the Saturday. Is that going to be in Tuchel's mind slightly? Is that going to sort of play on his mind as he's making a team selection against a 2-0, you know, advantage against Spurs? Possibly, yeah. You know, I think he might look at maybe resting some of the players that did start on Wednesday. Um, If we are losing, you know, if it's 2-2, you know, on the night or whatever, then he might bring on a Lukaku or Werner. So I hope he doesn't do that. I hope he goes out there with a, the mentality of killing that game off early on and doing it the other way around and resting some of the players that you'd expect to start, you know, bringing off a Mason Mount who you, you'd expect to start. But I think it'll be interesting if he starts Thiago Silva. 
Um, you'd expect him to want to try and put him in a team on Saturday. And ideally, you don't want him coming into that game cold. You want him to get some minutes under his belt before Saturday. Same with Kante. I think if Kante's got a negative um, COVID test, then you want him coming back into the team, but you don't want him coming up against a Man City with no game time for almost you know 10 days. So it'll be interesting. I think he'll make a couple of changes. Um, but the ultimate goal, obviously, is to get through to the final. And I think this is where it gets tricky because some people say they don't really care about the League Cup. But when you get to the final, everyone cares about the League Cup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even when you get to the semis, you, you care about yeah. it when, and when the opposition is Spurs. Um, but no, I think what you said is spot on. I think we have to approach the game with a very strong 11 and then kill the game off early and then make those substitutions, tactical substitutions with City in mind on Saturday. You know, take off the likes of any player that will feature or do as a guaranteed starter, maybe a mount, uh, a silver, should he feature a Kante, um, you know, Lukaku and Werner, should they start? But I don't think Werner will start. I think it'll be um, maybe Havertz and uh, possibly Lukaku. And we don't know again if he's going to go over back four or back three. So no, a lot of other questions. But um, but no, I think it's kind of just annoying that we didn't score more in that first leg and that we can maybe make more changes, more rotations. And, you know, being a, have that, you know, more comfy cushion to, you know, approach the game in a kind of a, a bit of a chiller way, let's put it like that. But, um, but no, I think we have to have eyes on the City game as well. It's definitely um, worth mentioning. Mm, definitely. Give, give me your predictions before we wrap up for, for Wednesday. Um, I think I got it right last week. I'm sure I said 2-0, but I'm going to let you yeah. go first. Let you go first. You got it right at the weekend, obviously. Yeah. 5-1. I think I said, I said 4-1 on the podcast, but I think I put 5-1 on the app after yeah. I saw the lineup. Um, but no, for, for this game, I think, like I said, I think Spurs have got a goal in them. And I think Chelsea maybe will, you know, they won't press as much as they did in that first leg, seeing that they've already got the 2-0 lead. So I'm going to say 1-1. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna agree. I think it's gonna be one one. I think Spurs will score first. Um, they'll try and take the game to us, and and they'll they'll leave themselves exposed at the back. It'll be interesting how Conte if he changes anything tactically. I don't think he will, and if he doesn't, I think it'll leave a lot of gaps in that defense, very much like it did um, in the first leg as well. We should have a lot of opportunities to um, take advantage of that defense. As it was, it was a shambles. You know, if he plays that, you know, Sanchez and I think Eric Dyer might even go back into that centre-back role, which is just not, he's not comfortable playing there. Um, we, we we should get a goal, you know, it's going to be difficult at their stadium, but, you know, you're going into a game 2-0 up, you expect to not lose the game and, and definitely make sure you qualify as well. That's the most important part of it as well. Yeah, definitely. The, that defence looked really, really leaky in our first leg. So if it's, you know, they, they do anything similar to that, then you could expect us to score one or maybe even more. But I'll stick with 1-1 one, one as my prediction. Yeah, I'm going to follow you. So hopefully we're right. Hopefully we can get through to the final. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, we've got the Club World Cup coming up as well. So we're, we're going to do a bit of a preview around that um, before that takes takes off as well. But as always, guys, make sure you subscribe to the channel. We appreciate everyone that subscribes as well. Um, you can hit all the links in the description below for our socials accounts as well. We're doing quite well on Twitter now. We're almost at 600 followers. It was only a couple of weeks ago. We was at 500. So, you know, we are slowly climbing on there. And obviously Instagram, you know, you, you do a lot of work on there for you. So, um, yeah, at From The Shed End on Twitter and at From The Shed End with underscores between each of the words on Instagram as well. Make sure you hit the links in the description. Theo, as always, thank you for joining me on this blue, grey, 
cloudy Monday. Um, you, you look like you got a bit of sun there. To be fair, no, it's it's it's, it's all clouding here <laughs> in London. Yeah. So thanks for joining me as always. Anyway, this has been episode forty-eight of from the Shedding Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.